nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Kareem Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Welcome to the Managing Madrid podcast. This is your host, Kian Sabani. It's Thursday. Today, we're taking a break from the transfer noise. So if you're looking for discussion on Jovic and transfers and how this player fits and that player fits, go over to patreon.com slash managingmadrid. We did an extensive podcast yesterday talking about all of that. So today, we're going to rewind some tape. It's our second episode of our new segment where we watch old Real Madrid games and joining me to review Real Madrid's 4-0 win over Real Zaragoza in 2006 is Matt Wilty. Matt, how are you doing? Kian, Kian, doing great. Um, yeah, this one is uh, near and dear to my heart. This is the one I recommended to you. And um, I remember just being a 14-year-old kid watching this game and just so believing in the remontada. Like, this was the first time I, like, I felt it. I felt the energy. I felt the Bernabeu. I felt – I just knew it was going to happen. Like, it was unbelievable. And um, – Ultimately, they fell short. They won four nothing. And just to give context to our listeners, the first game so it was a Copa del Rey semifinal, two legs. And the first game, Real Madrid lost to that just incredible Real Zaragoza team back 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 in 2005. Um, they lost six one. And so then they had to mount just an unbelievable comeback in the in the in the return leg at the Bernabeu, and it nearly happened. It nearly happened. It kind of made me want to go back and watch in a kind of the sadistic way that almost <laughs> come back against Dortmund when Ramos scored the second goal with like yeah. a few minutes left and they needed three. But I, I also, at halftime in this game when I was watching it, I went and I watched the highlights of the 6-1 in the first leg. I needed to be refreshed on it because I was trying to, because Zaragoza were a complete nothing in this game. For large stretches, they did absolutely nothing. They had one chance in the first half where um, first Ramos makes a really nice slide tackle, but then it falls to, I can't remember who it fell to, but Casillas made a brilliant save. That was all they did in the first half. So I was like, how did this team score six goals? I mean, I, I knew just growing up that this is the team, obviously, that had the, the Militos um, and some good players peppered in. And, and it wasn't until later they actually also even got better when they added Ayala and Aymar. So... But the 6-1 in the first leg, which uh, which I went back and I watched highlights on, I, I just remember like Ramos and Pavon were so bad in that game and so were, so was Helguera. And this team for really was the same. It, it was the same team that Lopez Caro rolled out in the second leg bar. He put Zidane in for Guti and Cicinho in for Salgado. And it ended up being... Really, a kind of a Brazilian show plus Beckham plus Beckham were like the, the standouts for me. Were because the, the goals all came from the Brazilians in the team, and I thought Beckham had a great game. Um, and also, yeah, and- Matt, I just like want to say, I remember growing up. I remember the first three goals in this game. Um, I I remembered the fourth goal subconsciously, but only when I when I saw it again today. Remind I, I remembered it. 
Um, but the 3-0, I remember that it came so quickly. And then I was thinking going into watching this game, what it was going to be like watching everything after the third goal and whether it was going to be exciting enough for me to to keep engaged in it. It wasn't bad. Um, but I was I was I, I had not remembered if Real Madrid kept going and going and attacking waves after the third goal. Yeah, that was uh, that was kind of my thought too. Because when you're watching it live, you're like, you're on pins and needles. Like you believe, you feel like this is going to happen. You're yeah. you're just every second. So you're one like going back and anal- actually analyzing it. But um, just to, I think this is a such a fun lineup. So I'm going to read out the Real Madrid lineup. You had Casillas in goal. As you mentioned, Cecinho, who had come in at right back, and he's often forgotten about that he even played at Real Madrid. Um, but Cecinho, the Brazilian right back, Ramos, first season, 19-year-old Ramos is just crazy to see just how long he's really been with us. Um, and he was starting. People forget he started at center back actually his first season. So he was at center back with injury-prone Mr. Jonathan Woodgate, who actually made it out onto the pitch. And I thought he had a, actually had a good game in this one. Yeah, me too. And then um, Roberto Carlos in his second to last season, so he's getting up there in age, but he still looks really good in this one, um, was at left back. Then you had a midfield of Beckham on the right, Gravison and Julio Baptista as your two center mids. So that tells you how far we've come. And then Rubinho and Zidane kind of interchanged. Rubinho started on the left, and Zidane kind of had a free roll next to uh, OG Ronaldo up top, but they would interchange back and forth. The also... Like just reading that lineup out loud, and then also you take into the context of the 05 06 season, um, which you're kind of reminded like when we talk about how bad it was this season, um, and I mentioned this to Kay on that podcast when we recorded together because we were talking about like some of the older years, and I said, as bad as it was, it was one season, yeah. And when you look at the roster this season. You can kind of like be like, you know what? The turnaround shouldn't be that crazy. I mean, it might, it'll be difficult. Don't get me wrong. I think even next season, even if we get a bunch of players, it's still going to be a lot of patience will be required. But you look at this 05-06 team, and it's hard to look at that and be like, well, uh, we can easily solve this. You know, I, I, I it's and and part of the reason why is because the midfield options really were were so were so underwhelming at the time. We yeah, didn't I mean, really have that box-to-box player. Baptista's more of an attacking player. The options at defensive midfield that season was Gravison or Pablo Garcia. Oh, God, Pablo Garcia. Yeah, oh he came God. in that year from Osasuna. I remember it, yeah. yeah. I, I remember just being so disappointed with that signing. Ugh. Well, that first leg also, part of the reason why, like, so we we actually had games that season, I remember, that the central midfield double pivot was Guti and Beckham. Neither of those guys really are capable of playing that role. Both brilliant players, but you just you can't put them there, shoehorn them there. Um, and then, so it was kind of felt helpless. And also, Matt, when I was watching this game, the only player I thought, the only Galactico per se, that actually looked still in form was Beckham at the time. Yep. Zidane really had a bad game, I thought, in yeah, this one. Yeah. It was not, he really was the tail end of Zidane. Well, it yes. was. This was his last it season. Was his last yeah. season. Roberto Carlos, I think, was okay still, but he wasn't the old Roberto Carlos. And, uh, and you know, so it, it you didn't really have that same firepower, despite the names on paper looking yeah. good. 
And when, one of the notes, I, I, I literally had a note like that. I said, RC, Roberto Carlos, Ronaldo, Zidane, Beckham, all in the decline, but you saw moments of their quality. Like, you saw what made them unbeatable in their prime. Like, even with OG Ronaldo, you saw, like, he would do one little touch, turn yeah. his man so easy, and still have the, even with his kind of heavier weight back then, he still had that change of speed that nobody could compete with. Um, and, like, Roberto Carlos, you would even see moments where he's just so athletic. Like, he's he was so small but he could jump so high and just get win those aerial duels um and like you said i thought beckham like beckham had a few bad giveaways but overall um i thought he was probably the best of the bunch and just 57 so to give our listeners just kind of like the play-by-play of this game 57 seconds in cecino scores a cracker of a goal like an absolute golasso yeah the barnabeu erupts it just gets nuts um like from from that moment on you can feel that the barnabeu really believes this can happen and the noise and the atmosphere was just it was a live wire and so cecino i mean the ball comes out kind of recycles out after a corner kick and he just outside of the 18 nails it with his right foot into the upper 90 i mean that that just kind of got the place on fire and then as soon as after that, literally the fifth minute, Rubinho scores. So five minutes in, it's 2 nothing, And again, the Bernabeu goes nuts. And um, I, I remember watching this and just being so pumped when watching this live. Like really, really believing. And uh, it came, the, the next two goals came from Beckham. Beckham curled in a great cross, which Ronaldo controlled and flicked into Rubinho's path. And then he struck home the goal. I thought Julio Cesar, who was a former Real Madrid goalkeeper, now the Zaragoza keeper. Cesar I Sanchez. He, yeah, yeah. Oh, say that again. Cesar Sanchez. Oh, Cesar Sanchez. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I thought he probably should have done better. Um, yeah. But yeah. On that, on that particular goal, and then the third goal, which was my favorite in the tenth minute. But I'm sorry, I've never seen anyone make a pass like Beckham made on that goal. I was no. just thinking to my, I was thinking to myself, Are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me? Has and nobody can make that pass? I think it's actually one of the more underrated passes in our modern history. It's one of those ones that should be looped over and over again. Because I, I remember just that that pass was incredible. But then watching it today, it totally lived up to it. And I just, it really is actually, if you think about it, you know, maybe one of the best assists I've seen. Because it's just the, the deep position that Beckham was in. Also, the, the angle, it was a diagonal ball. And also, he just he got the height down right on Ronaldo's foot somehow, which was incredible. It's He had a very unique trait, and he was a lot of things, and he was a very hard worker and a really good footballer. I still don't know if we've actually seen a crosser like him since he's retired. I can't think of any. I think there are really... There, are, there have been superior dead ball specialists. Um, people who have scored more prolifically from their free kicks. But in terms of just that in-swinging cross or even in-swinging corner or or, or set piece from from certain angles, I think I think he I don't think anyone's matched him yet. I'm really I think the only yeah. modern somewhat compar- comparable player and honestly, I mean watching this game it makes me think there's literally nobody in the modern game who plays like it. Like literally every time he got the ball, he he would look to whip in or play a long ball or just he kind of just played as a quarterback. Um, but yeah. the only person who's somewhat comparable, my friend used to always joke with me um, that he's the Colombian Beckham, is James Rodriguez, and that he obviously left-footed, but he was um, probably the only one as comparable to kind of 
putting the ball wherever he wanted. Mm. Um, what was your assessment of um, of Robinho in this game? Do you so, so like because I I remember being so hyped up on him for a long time. I mean, even when Real Madrid sold him to City, um, I was disappointed we sold him because I thought he same. he had a unique ability to create flair. Because I also just want to preface this by saying we've been asked a couple times or people have made a comment on the podcast that what if Vinicius just turns into Robinho? And I, but I'm just curious to know what your take on it is. Yeah, no, I've I've. I've seen that statement before, and I, I think, don't think that's a bad like Robinho while at Real Madrid, especially his last couple of years, was really really good. Like he was probably our one of our best players, if not the best. And um, like people people forget that it's after he left Madrid where it just all went downhill. Yeah. Um, but in this game, and I think his first this was his first year, and I think his first year in particular. He wasn't that good. He was kind of inconsistent. It wasn't until under Schuster and um, Juan de Ramos and all those other guys that he really started to blossom and really started to be the Rubinho that we we saw every time he got in the corner, just do a guy up 1v1 and be able to or make incisive runs and finish finish versus the goalkeeper 1v1. But in this game, he just he couldn't get involved. And like that was a weird thing. Like None of these... Like Zidane, like you said, Zidane just wasn't himself. He be- he could just could not get into it. And both of them, like despite Madrid winning four nothing, like none nobody really played that well in the attack. Like their key key pieces in the attack, which is surprising that they did so well. I mean, they definitely could have turned this game around. Ronaldo in the second half nearly scored, or right at the end of the game, nearly scored with his heel yeah. again off a of Beckham cross, and like that would have been it. And it, it's just crazy to think about. They didn't even play that well, and they nearly turned this around. Yeah. And, uh, well, basically, they, they dug themselves such a ridiculous hole in the first leg. That, um, and, and, again, like that first leg, just the defending from everyone, but particularly like everyone from Salgado on the flanks and Ramos and Helguera in the first half. And then Pavon came in for Helguera, and he was even worse than Helguera in the second half. And so... And by the way, I thought you know Ramos played good in the in the in this one, this in the second leg, along yeah, with Woodgate. Yeah, really good. Um, yeah. He had a couple of really important interventions, but like you mentioned, that Ronaldo chance at the end. Um, I you know it it kind of they also had that there was that in the twenty first minute there was another chance that they had where Ramos attacks the corner and it's cleared off the line by Cesar. And then Zidane follows it up. Yeah. And then that's also cleared off the line by some Zaragoza. But by the way, underrated in all this, and it was just kind of this brief moment in passing in the game. But um, there was that in in the second half, Gravison just steps on Everton's thigh, like when the ball goes out of bounds. I don't know if you saw that. No. But if uh, if the camera if VAR was around, that that would have been a red card and he would have been gone. <laughs> he had a bit of a hot head. Um, oh yeah. <clears throat> this was the season, Matt. So Robinho came in, Ramos came in, Baptista Cicinho, Casanoc even came in. Yeah. Another player you sometimes forget. Cicinho, by the way, also knocked us out of the Champions League in one of the uh, ensuing seasons when he was with Roma. He had a header in the Bernabeu. Um, that, and then they also had a bit of a transition because they lost 
Michael Owen, Figo, Solari, and Samuel. And also was the season, Matt, where they had the 0-3 loss against Barca and Ronaldinho in the Bernabeu, the standing ovation. It was a season that they were knocked out by Arsenal. Oh, yeah. In the Champions League where Thierry Henry scored in the Bernabeu. And kind of this mishmash of like just people. This was like definitely during Raul's decline. I think he scored five goals that season. The Ronaldo, OG Ronaldo, led the team with 14. Really, like like you said, like I think this game can be maybe stretched out to the season just to say that the team wasn't that good. They struggled scoring goals. And their defending wasn't that good. And their most reliable source of goals was Ronaldo with 14. And Raul had five. And Robinho only had eight. Zidane, nine. Baptista, eight. So it was... It, I think it was a fun game that we remember. But in the in when you zoom out of it a little bit, it's actually it's actually quite dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and I think it gives you. I think it like like you mentioned. It kind of zooming out even more. It gives you context on the whole season because even that Arsenal tie, Thierry Henry runs through the whole team in the Barnabas. We lose one nothing. Yeah. And then we go back in the second leg, and people often forget we nearly came at we. I think Raul hit the post. Beckham hit the post like the second it was leg? again yeah it was yeah. nearly it was nearly another it was just like this Zaragoza match like we nearly turned around we just missed it it was actually and, one of the most entertaining nil nil draws I've seen yeah that one in a hybrid, hybrid I guess yeah yep yeah. and so and that's this and you look I mean we look at the lineup and it's just aging stars a um, couple of youngsters in Rubinho and Ramos and then Casillas is really the only peak yeah. leader like in that team that's that's literally it uh everyone else is an aging galactico on their last legs or just like a gravison which i mean god help us if we ever if we sign a player like gravison again but i wanted to get your take kind of on the um some of the tactical and just yeah the tactical level of this game and i mean i thought we saw my, one of my notes from just early on especially as Madrid went 3 nothing up in just the beginning of the match. Obviously, they went all out and tried to execute an insane high press. But what I said is it wasn't necessarily a super impressive and organized press. It was just more of their grit and desire to get the game back and just score at all, all costs. Just kind of like high-energy chickens running with their head cut off. Like it wasn't, it wasn't this impressive clop organized press. It was just kind of, we got to get the ball back. We got to score. Yeah, it was chaos, and I think it was sheer will. I think like you saw, you saw Baptista had a, had a few good moments recovering the ball high up the pitch when the team lost it. Um, you had you had Beckham, Beckham like, and they all kind of had it. It was kind of trickling throughout the team. I think Zidane was the only one who I didn't really notice, but I think that was just on his last legs. But like even Beckham, when he lost it one time, he tracked back and he he. Uh, he put pressure on the on the attacker. They all had even Gravison had it. I mean, and Gravison is the ultimate like you know just go in clumsily guy. And but they all even and Robinho too on on the left side. So I think they all had. I agree. It wasn't like the most organized, and I don't think there. I don't remember any tactical master classes from Real Madrid that season. Um, and really, we didn't kind of see at least a little semblance of organization until 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 Schuster, but particularly Capello came around. So I agree with you in that. I uh, 
the fourth goal that Real Madrid scored, I really loved that set piece sequence. Because yeah. it was, there was three players, right? Was it Zidane? Yep. Beckham and uh, Roberto Carlos. Roberto Carlos. And then the defender closes Roberto Carlos. Obviously, that part they didn't expect. But just kind of thinking quickly, Roberto Carlos just pushes the ball past him. And that was like a, a signature Roberto Carlos screamer. Yeah, and he had one just a few minutes earlier, which was like 35 yards out. And typical Roberto Carlos fashion, just nailed the crap out of the ball. And, near, I mean, it bobbled within the keeper's hand. It was right at him, but he couldn't handle it. And it's just, I, I'll never forget, just his shots were unbelievable. Like, he just had a cannon. And if, if anyone's ever seen Roberto Carlos's calves, they're just the size of a normal person's head yeah like <laughs> the guy the guy is an absolute beast um but yeah no they then that was the thing about that like especially the galacticos that era i mean it's a don figo beckham roberto carlos so many guys who could even raul scored a couple free kicks in his time like so many guys who were just experts at peace takers so i think like the the response also to this season the end of the season was was encouraging though um, from the board, I think they did a lot of right things. Because like when you, I remember at the time, and uh, you know hindsight is hindsight proves me wrong. I remember at the time, I didn't understand the Casano signing. Um, when uh, when Real Madrid could have just kept Portillo, who who before that, prior to that, Portillo was um, really the most promising Castilla player they've had since Raúl, and he broke all of Raúl's records in in the youth system. Saved the team in the Champions League against Dortmund the following season, or the the previous season. They sent him out on loan and brought Casano, and Casano had zero impact on the team. But the response, Matt, to this season, the following summer, is well, OG Ronaldo and Zidane left, and then you saw the influx of no superstars, but although maybe you could argue Cannavaro was, but he was 32 at the time. But they brought in Cannavaro, um, Ruud Van Nistelrooy came in. Yeah. Um, Gago, Iguain, Marcelo the the winter after, which was was a huge long lasting effect, particularly from Marcelo. So the response was good. Um, but well, yeah. Well, if you uh, if you remember, so that summer was the first. This was Florentino Perez last year. Um, the fans basically forced him out, right? And Ramon Calderon controversially took over, and his three promises were that he was going to be. In Cesc Fabregas, Robin, and who was the third? There was one more. Um, and he never fulfilled those except for Robin, which was like his second year, I think. Yeah. And um, But Capella was brought in, and he that summer he brought in mostly guys that were like Capello guys that worked under him. So Emerson um, from Juventus, which I, was, I remember just being so disenchanted with that sign. I was like, Emerson, are you serious? He was like 32 or at the time or somewhere around there and just looked so out of shape and just yeah. not an and aesthetic pretty pleasing. limited player. Yeah, yeah. But and also then, like was like was a very good destroyer in Syria. Yeah. Yeah, but he was he was on the decline. Yeah. Definitely. And then um Cannavaro who just had I was I loved Cannavaro after that World Cup and so I was even though he was on the older side as well, I was all about that signing. And then Rude, who just turned out to be incredible for us. Yeah. And uh, Mamadou Diara, which... So we played with basically two defensive, very limited, as you said, very limited players, defensive players. And 
Mamadou Diarra and Emerson in the center of the park. So Capello wasn't necessarily pretty football, but especially in the beginning. But just the way that season ended made it probably one of the, the greatest La Liga seasons entertainment-wise. Right. And uh, and it was, I mean, a double destroyer, double pivot, double destroyer thing is not the most exciting thing at all. But... Um, Especially with those two players. Especially with those two players, but that's that was what Capella wanted. So he got what he wanted. Uh, he got the signings he wanted, and then he kind of he also you know Guti Beckham and Rude were very important that year. Yeah. In terms of just carrying the offensive load. Um, and I'm just looking at that the roster for that season. Reyes as well was that who came in on loan with the switch the yeah, loan Reyes. deal swap with Julio Baptista. That's right, yeah. And then obviously we all, we all know what Reyes go. We talked about it last week on the last yep. podcast. So, um, yeah. So things things got better, but this season in particular was uh, was a bit of a mess. And uh, I do remember being excited about Robinho and Baptista coming because I believe they came in around the same time. Actually, yeah. I don't know if you remember. This is the same season also that. Robinho had his debut against Cadiz. Yep, and it was actually one of the more memorable debuts that I that we have as Maradistas. It was actually like it's one of those ones that like maybe once every couple of years I'll actually go watch it on YouTube. You listeners should actually do that. Robinho versus Cadiz debut. Um, yeah, no, it, it's pretty it, cool. You're exactly right. And I've actually um, I spent a summer in Cadiz and lived with like a, a family there. And while I was there, I got to go to the stadium. And the Spanish Olympic team at that time did a pre-friendly warm-up. Uh, again, I forget who it was against. But during that time, it was like when Mata, De Gea, Isco, um, Tiago, Javi Martinez, all of them were on the team, Espi Laqueta. So it was a really good team. And to be a part of that stadium, and um, as you, if, you, if you know anything about Spanish culture, you've probably heard that like the people in Cadiz are just kind of uh, jokesters very relaxed and like obviously they they went at us with the whole sherry chef thing and but that stadium's really cool and just like seeing watching Rubinho um, going back and watching those highlights and seeing Rubinho he that he had like a 20 minute cameo or whatever it was and he just everyone was so excited about him like he was kind of the yeah uh, hyped up to the equivalent that Neymar, Neymar was when he left Santos yeah he was and yeah, he was pure, pure hype. And uh, he that cameo right there, he lived up to it. And he's just like pulling off all his scissors, pulling off all his moves, um, weaving between defenders. And uh, it, it got the Madridistas really excited. And in that, in Cadiz, like, which is such a cool area, a cool stadium, like I, I just thought that was that was awesome. Cadiz is an amazing... Everyone, I think, on management almost has a soft spot for Cadiz because you lived there. Gabe lived there. I believe Josh lived there, who was on the initial podcast. Uh, my parents got married there. Oh, wow. I did not know this. Yeah. And so... It, and, it's literally paradise. Yeah, it's an amazing place. I was I got a, was lucky enough to go there um, a few years ago, and it's it's pretty it's pretty magical. Um, yeah. What else from this game? Anything else from this game that we want yeah, to talk about? Yeah, so... A um, couple and couple other notes I have, but one thing I wanted to get your thoughts on was the substitutions. I just thought they were the strangest substitute. Diogo, who was a Uruguayan right back we had purchased that year, actually from Zaragoza, 
came in for Gravison late in the game, and then Cassano, who was kind of new to Madrid and really never done much, was brought in. And I just thought those, yeah, maybe I understand the Cassano one, but the Diogo one just baffled me. And like when you're going for the game, you need one more goal. Why not go for some more attacking options? Well, especially because the Diogo one is weird because um, he you could put him at right back where Cecinio was, or you could put him at right mid where Beckham was. So you already had that covered. Um, and who did Cassano came in coming for? I think it was Rubinho. Okay. Um, I couldn't tell you. All I know, just said, Lopez Caro was, uh, was never really one that really enchanted us with his decision making. But I think, um, I, I guess he just kind of threw everything into it and just hoped for the best. I, I, I never thought Diogo was anyone that was going to move the needle for Real Madrid at all. I think they signed him and Cicinho, um in the same, in that same summer, think, hoping that one of them would be the ultimate replacement for. Uh, for Salgado, but it just it never worked out. So I don't really have much. So Casano came in for Baptista, eighty second minute. Oh, it was Baptista. Diogo for Gravison, and those are the yeah. only two subs he made. And they were those were just a right back for a center defensive mid, and then a striker for the other center mid. Like it just it was very really strange to me. But the only um, the other thing I wanted to talk about, which you touched on briefly. Um, was just Ramos. I thought, I mean, 19-year-old kid playing center back for Real Madrid. I mean, he started that whole season and was in a dark season overall. He was the bright spot, and he was our best, one of the best players. And yeah. um, he, I mean, sure, he made mistakes, but, like, overall, you knew that Ramos was going to be incredible, and you knew, like, we talk about generational talents, and we probably throw that around like too too much. But with Ramos, you knew it. Like even even in this game, you could see him like pointing to Woodgate, like telling him where to go. Like at 19 years old, he was kind of directing people around. And that one tackle that he had, where he like stopped it with his heel, it was kind of a standing slide tackle where he stopped it with his heel and won the ball. I just, I mean, there was there were a lot of moments where he just looked so so good, and it's, it's just incredible to see that was 2005 2006 like he's been here so long yeah it's amazing that he played with Zidane like that even that overlap is 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 incredible to me he's now playing with his son for Christ's sake yeah it's incredible um so the only two active players remaining are Ramos and Casillas who Casillas I mean I'm not sure if he continues next year or not but those are the only two active players and and I with Ramos, we always knew that he was going to be a great defender, I think. I think there there was, because this was also the same year where Ronaldinho also blitzed him and so did Thierry Henry. But I I think there was, there was a lot of debate around that time whether he was going to be a center back or a right back because it seemed like he was more out of his depth at center back. And right back made sense more for him because he was athletic, he was quick. I mean, it's hard to picture Ramos as a right back now, but at the time... Um, when it you know when he was playing those days at right back, and not in this game, or not not in this particular season, but when he was playing as a right back, he was so agile and quick, and uh, he could take defenders on. He could dribble. He could put a cross in. It's so hard to picture like him like that now. I don't know. Maybe he was he was much better attacking from the right back position than he was defending. I thought defending, yeah, uh, he always 
he just fouled all the time when he was just defending at the right bank. He was constantly in the wrong positions. And that's what I remember. And, like, especially if you ever see, like, there were a couple times in Mourinho's last season where he tried to put him back out there, and it just it was a mess. because And all he did was foul. And But from attacking perspective, he was, oh, my God. He was just – because he's another one of those guys who was just an athletic specimen, and he – um, just could bomb up that field. He was so fast. He always did his little Cruyff cut back and then swung in across, and he could take people on, and he was just the constant outlet on the right flank. He he controlled it all himself. And I had – so he had played right back and center back with Sevilla. I had never seen his first season with Sevilla. So um, I this year when he was 19 was the first year I would seen him, like, for a full season and he played pretty much center back that whole year. And like you said, I mean, overall he was, he was one of the best players, but like you said, he got found out by Thierry Henry and Ronaldinho, which 95% of the defenders in the world did. So it's not like, that's not a huge, um, yeah. Black well, mark. That, on and his he book. was 19. So yeah, I mean, exactly. he, he got better. Like the, you know, that may not happen if he, that, you know, you put him in that same situation. If you put Ramos at age 30, 31, whatever, in that same sequence, it's probably different. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think. Yeah. Uh, just to add, like Capello was the one that uh, moved him to right back. Yeah. And it was really because Michelle Salgado was on his last legs, and I think Cecinio was gone right after that. Some this this year. I think Cecinio stayed one more year. Okay. I I could be wrong. I think he had two years. I'll look it up. Um, and yeah, and, and Ramos in in that Capello year, he had that. That really, if in the classical member, he had a quick cross to Raul within like a couple yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, uh, from yeah, the right back that position. That was a great goal. Uh, Cicin, you're right. Cicinho only had that one one year at Real Madrid. Yeah. So Cicinho recently, I saw this actually recently, came out with some quotes saying that uh, Rubinho had a discoteca in his house, and like that's where the yeah. Brazilian guys would go to party, and like so they couldn't be found at like the clubs or anything but Rubinho just had like a private <laughs> club in his own house and like that's where they would go and he talked about how like he had a drinking problem while he was at Madrid and that's why he never like he never really made it so that and that's probably another reason why Rubinho just never lived up to the talent because he was too busy partying Ramos's partner that night Woodgate I think uh he actually in the limited time he played was actually quite good, I thought. Um, his legacy will ultimately be this guy who was made out of glass and just could not get going. But I think it, the ones who actually followed his career um, back from the Leeds days, Leeds, Leeds days and then also watched his Real Madrid games that year knew that at least when he was on the pitch, it was he was actually quite good. He just could not get healthy. Um he ended up only playing nine times for for Real Madrid. And obviously the first game was the, the famous disaster. Yeah. With, what was it? He came off the on the off the scored. bench. Red card I, and an own goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember I didn't see that one, but I remember my brother telling me like Woodgate actually played and he had a red card and an own goal. I was like, yeah. Oh my god, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. Um <laughs> so he had, well he also I mean, it's crazy because those nine appearances come over the course of three seasons for Real Madrid. Jeez, there's only nine? Wow. Because he didn't play at all his first season. Yeah. 
Um, so it's that, incredible that this game was actually one of those games where he actually played. <laughs> yeah, amazing, actually. We were quite lucky. Um, to, to the rare side of Jonathan Woodgate. Yeah. Uh, and then only played once in the second season. Wow. Yeah, and I, I mean... Sorry, in, nine times in the second season and scored a goal. <laughs> this game, he was... And he was going up against Diego Melito, who we all know is no slouch. I mean, yeah. he was one of the best strikers in the league. And he did really, really well. Like, just... I, I was really impressed. Like, that was one of my notes. I was just shocked at how well Woodgate did. Just kind of shepherded... Um, just all the way through covered Melito with no problems, put his body on him, like did, always nullified any danger. And it was, I mean, I was, I was impressed. And like you said, those who followed it, I didn't see, I didn't really see his career in Newcastle or Leeds, but afterwards when he went to Tottenham, when he did stay healthy for a bit, he, he was really good. It's interesting that Gravison after this year, after that 0506 years, kind of just disappeared off the face of the planet because he went. Yeah, where'd he go? After? He went to Celtic, played 22 times over the course of two seasons, and then that was it. He was done. Yeah. Kind of Gravison was like the alternative because we were close twice to signing Vieira and then once very, very close. It might have been that year or another year to signing Roy Keane, which would have been really interesting. But like, I think Vieira would have been was the missing the missing piece after Makalele left. But. Well, there was there was so much link to um, to Vieira. And I think later on, I think either Vieira or, or Wenger talked about it. And there was, it was actually so close to happening. But then like yeah. the last minute it fell through. And uh, But also part of the debate at the time was like there was this real debate. Because you and I talked about this a little bit in the past. Ivan Algera as a defensive midfielder was way better than he was as a central defender. And when he was playing as a central defender, he was one of the best in the world at that position. And there was debate at the time whether Real Madrid actually needed um, Vieira because a lot of people actually felt Helguera was better because Helguera could actually score and Vieira couldn't. And uh, obviously we all know like Vieira is one of the best defensive midfielders, definitely of our generation um, growing up. But um, So if that happened, the complexion changes. But also I guess... V- interesting thing about Vieira also is he he had a his peak did not last that long either so um he he may also not have been a the greatest long-term option either but yeah that this team needed better midfielders desperately and some of it some a lot of the signings there were just kind of like signing and hope they stick like because the way when they signed Makalele they got Makalele he came from Celta that just they got a bit lucky that he worked out um, after they sold Redondo and the entire city was in uproar and they were protesting the sell at Redondo. And it worked out because Redondo got injured and then Makaleli was really good. But then when they sold Makaleli, maybe they, they were just hoping that they could just find another guy from Celta or whoever, wherever that could just do the same job. I think that played into their bad decision-making because then they were hoping that was Gravison. They were hoping it was Pablo Garcia. They were hoping it was Flavio Conceição. They were hoping it was Mamadou Diara, like Lasana Diara, and all these guys were good, but they were never. They never got back to that level with those players. Um, yeah, Vieira. Basically, I thought when you went to Juventus in 05, he was not the same anymore. 
Yeah, and every every time you say Pablo Garcia, it just makes me laugh. Like I, I still can't believe we signed that guy. It's just yeah. nowhere near Real Madrid quality. But like that's kind of like those were the signings we were making. That at was the, time. the state. Yeah, that was the state, and like that's why like we're spoiled now. Like we're we the, the signing like that's why I I don't agree with like people who say Florentino hasn't learned. Like I mean he he certainly has, and he certain I mean this. Real Madrid second tenure has just been dramatically better than the first and I would have loved I mean like I said before Roy Keane almost came he was like very very close it would have been so interesting to see Roy Keane at Real Madrid that just would have been uh, one for the memory book any nonsense yeah it would have been one for the memory books oh my god the stories that we probably would have had about Roy Keane being at Real Madrid would have been great yeah um, anything else from this game Matt that you want to touch on uh, no, I I think even with just I think we got to talk about Zidane quickly. Even with it being not his best, obviously not far far from one of his best games, I still think you could see moments of his quality and moments of like, oh yeah, that was Zidane. Like that's that's what he did. Yeah, he had a couple of nice touches and flicks. Yeah. And- yeah, and it's it, it makes you like he just made the game look so simple, and I, I just miss being able to watch him. Like he was such a fun player to watch. Yeah, um, I'm sure that this segment of the podcast will take us into some of Zidane's best games, which I'm I'm excited to to get into those ones. Um, yeah, because watching peak Zidane was really just some of the most aesthetically pleasing like football you'll ever see. It just came Definitely. from his foot. Yeah, um, and obviously, of course, he had his goodbye in this in this particular season against Villarreal. Yeah, um, and he his last I, home game. He was he he must have been preserving all of his energy this season. I think he's admitted that because his World Cup was just unbelievable. Yeah, that, that was the weird part about it is that <laughs> he followed all of this up with an amazing world, historic World Cup run where he got yeah. to the final and obviously had that. But but like he was actually like one of the best players of that tournament. Yeah, he was unreal. Yeah. All right, so we'll keep all the listeners posted on what's to come on this segment of the podcast, uh, what what game we'll do next. Tomorrow, Friday, Gabe and I are planning to do a mailbag, so send in your questions through patreon.com slash managingmadrid. And hi, Luca. <laughs> Luca does his monthly Barge and yeah. podcast. Um, and... Uh, Patreon.com slash Managing Madrid is where you go to pledge. Get access to many shows, including the mailbag, including yesterday's Jovic and Transfer Talk. And and also we docked Mendy and, and Hazard and and much more. Um, so check it out on Patreon.com slash Managing Madrid. And I have to wrap this up now. And uh, <laughs> Matt Wilty, thanks for doing this, my friend. And Hala Madrid. Hala Madrid.